There is an awakening that occurs when you find where you belong. We are the army rising up, the wild ones, outspoken for the sake of the one who spoke life into us. We are the spark that ignites a flame, called and therefore qualified, empowered to create atmospheres. So breathe in. Is there still an American youth who can arise and turn the tide of history in America to raise up an answer to the rebellion? We need another kind of a revolution. Now it's our time. We are the face of a generation ready to rise up. We're strong, the tip of the iceberg, standing on the shoulders of those that pave the way. We are the ones who change the world. We are revolution. Hello. What's up, y'all? How you guys doing? Are you good? Yeah. Okay. I am so, so glad to be back. I was out for like two Sundays in a row. I had vertigo. Anybody ever heard of vertigo? No. It's uh, basically the short explanation of it is like you, you have no balance. Like you, you literally are standing in one place, but you feel like you're falling. Horrible feeling. You're laying in the bed, and you feel like you're rolling over in your bed. Like, it was, it was horrible. Crazy. So I was like literally in my bed for like six days, couldn't do anything, but I am excited to be back. Hey, so last week we started a brand new series called Rooted. And in this series, we are looking at the life of Jesus. We are asking the question, how do we actually have deep rooted relationships in our lives instead of shallow dysfunctional relationships? How do we how do we actually have the relationships that Jesus wants us to have? Because here's the reality. The point of life is to fellowship with other people, to have other people in our lives. And if we're being honest, we're being real, we all want to be known by somebody. Like we we want people in our lives who actually know us. Like no one says to themselves like I just want to hide under a rock and I don't want to like, no, we want people in our lives. We want people to call on when we need something. We want to be vulnerable with people. We want to be real. We want to be transparent. And the way that we have these type of relationships is we have to be rooted in who Jesus says we are. And that's what we're studying in this series, Rooted. We're looking at these things we're calling relationship weeds. And if you know anything about gardening, I don't. I had to, like, look this stuff up. Um, you'll know that weeds actually destroy your garden. They destroy your grass. You can't just let weeds do whatever they want to do. You can't let them stay because they destroy your grass. You have to uproot the weeds from the root. And relationship weeds are the same way. If we allow things in our, like, relationships that cause, I don't know, different circumstances, like, and, and, and dysfunction to stay in our relationships, we'll never have deep ones. So we're talking about that in this series. I'm excited about it. If you have a Bible, go with me to Mark 9 really quick. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen, and you can just follow along there. Mark 9, verse 33 to 37. Let's read it. I'm going to read out of the message translation. It says this, 
they came to Capernaum. When he was safe at home, he asked them, what were you discussing on the road? The silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over who among them was the greatest. He sat down and summoned the 12. So you want to take first place? Then take the last place. Be the servant of all. Verse 36. He put a child in the middle of the room, then cradled the little one in his arms. He said, whoever embraces one of these children, as I do, embraces me. And far more than me, God who sent me. Now this is, this is a, a very interesting passage because this is Jesus and his, his disciples. They're walking, they're going back to the, to the house, they're going back to their their, their home, and, and they're having this talk on the way. They're basically talking, and they're like, you know, I had more miracles than you had. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. And Jesus is pretending like he, he's not hearing. He, you know, he, he's like ignoring this conversation. He heard it, and, and he makes this a teachable moment. And he teaches his disciples a lesson that I believe is so relevant for our lives today. He teaches them about competitiveness, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Competitiveness is a weed that needs to be removed if we want to have deep friendships. If you want more than shallow friends, like you, if, if you actually want more than like DMing people on Instagram and like casually talking to people in the lunchroom and casually having like conversations about sports and casually having conversations about singers and rappers, if you want real relationships, I'm talking about the ones where you can say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. My mom is depressed. My, my, my dad isn't around. My, my, my grandpa just died. If you want friends that will actually stand in moments like that, competitive has to be uprooted. It has to be addressed. So we're going to talk about this today. Let's pray, and we're going to jump into this thing. Jesus, we just welcome you. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. We invite you to come and teach us, lead us, come and have your way. Lord, we, we actually want deep-rooted relationships, not shallow, dysfunctional ones. Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence. I welcome your power. Say, come, have your way. Have your way. I pray that you would, you would just impart a fresh, fresh understanding of our identity in you, that we are sons, we are daughters. And I pray that that, that would be the anchor, the, the rock that we live on, the rock that we interact with with people off of. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm finding like the older I get, like things that I thought was like, oh, this is normal. Like everybody, everybody experienced this. Everybody has stuff like this. I'm finding that, no, that was just me. That was just like my parents. That, that was just them. Like they were the weird ones. Like I thought this was normal. This is not normal at all. Anyway, so I, I actually had a lot of what I call arranged friendships. Has anybody, like, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody have arranged friendships in their life? I'm talking about, they're kind of like arranged marriages. And what I mean by that is arranged friendships are, you know, your parents come to you and they're like, hey, Brandon, I want you to meet so-and-so. And what they're really saying when they say, I want you to meet so-and-so, 
This is what they're saying. They're saying, hey, Brandon, I want you to meet your new best friend. You're going to actually tell them everything. You're going to hang out all the time because I am friends with their parents. And I want to actually hang out with them all the time. So you're going to hang out with them all the time. That's what they're saying in between those lines, right? So I learned that really quick that when my parents introduced me to like another kid, they're basically saying like, I have arranged this friendship for you. I think that they're going to be good in your life, right? I had a ton of these friendships. If you grow up in church, there are, you're going to have arranged friendships, man. Like your parents are going to come. You need to meet so-and-so. Have you, have you met like so-and-so? They like are captain of the football team. And they lead a Bible study every single day. Like, you need to meet, you know, like those type of, those type of friends, right? So I had, I had a few of these. One of my arranged friendships actually turned into a, a, a really, like, solid friendship in my life. He's one of my best friends. But growing up, we always competed. We competed in every, like, er- like in any area of life you can think of, we competed, like, we would be standing here and we'll say, I bet you can't beat me to that door right there. Like, I mean, it's just like crazy stuff, right? We would compete with like who could get particular shoes first, who who could like get more attention from girls, like who could, it, it was just like this type of like dynamic. And it was, it was so weird. And one, one like Sunday we were talking and we were talking about the PlayStation, like and I'm not talking about, like, PlayStation 4. I'm talking about, like, PlayStation. The PlayStation. Like, that was, it, it was no numbers behind it. It was just, like, it was just, like, the PlayStation. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was it. So everybody wanted the PlayStation. And this thing was, like, I'm telling you, it, it was everything. You, you wanted the PlayStation. We're talking at church. We're like, yeah, you know, my mom's going to give me the PlayStation for Christmas. I hadn't even talked to my mom, you know. And he's like, yeah, my mom will probably get it, get it for me before Christmas. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Oh, okay, cool, yeah, awesome. So I'll go home, right, and literally for months, I'm telling my mom, I'm like, mom, I don't want anything else. I just want a PlayStation. Please just give me a PlayStation. Don't show up on Christmas with socks. I don't, I don't want socks. I want a PlayStation. Like, you know your parents. You know those gifts, your mom, like, you're like, what is this? What, I, you, you, you couldn't give me underwear on a random Tuesday? You had to give me underwear for Christmas? Like, <laughs> like just weird. I never understood the process. Anyway, so I'm telling my mom this, and we're like, you know, like just months and months and months go by. I'm like really just hammering this thing home. I want the PlayStation. And Christmas comes, and there's this box. And I just knew that I had this PlayStation. I knew the PlayStation was in this box. And I also knew because I was the oldest child, like, the reality is, I'm sorry. If you're not the oldest child, it's, it's just, I'm sorry. You know, the old, we just, I'm going to let you in on a secret. We just get privileged. I'm sorry. It's, it is what it is. I'm just being real. Anyway, so I just knew, like, you know what? My mom's going to give me this PlayStation, and it's going to be awesome. Open this box, right? And I'm like, I have all of this anticipation inside of me, this, this like excitement, like I got the PlayStation. I open this box, and it's a Nintendo 64. <laughs> so it's a Nintendo 64, and I don't know about your mom, but my mom, you know, I couldn't cry. Like I watch YouTube videos of like, you know, kids on Christmas, 
they get like socks and they start crying. You ever seen those videos? Like the, the, the parents like prank the kids to just record it. And they're like, oh, mom, what are you doing? Like, if I'd have did that, my mom would be like, what? Boy, do you know how hard I work for this PlayStation? <laughs> like, it would it, have been over. Like, that's not, that's not the type of dynamic, me, that's not the relationship me and my mom had. I would have, I would have like been missing teeth if she, if she saw me at all, you know, look like I, I didn't appreciate this Nintendo 64. So I'm like, <laughs> Nintendo 64, thanks, mom. Awesome. <laughs> this is cool. This is awesome. And, and she's like, nice, you like it? You, you like it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. I really do. Yeah. So I, I'm like, inside, I'm like, I got a Nintendo 64. I wanted a PlayStation. A PlayStation. Not a Nintendo 64. Anyway, I go to church, and me and my friend, this is after Christmas. And, of course, he comes in. He finds me. He's like, so what you get? I'm like, mm, I got some stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I got, I got a PlayStation. I'm like, oh, really? Cool, cool. He's like, so what'd you get? He's like, I got a, I got a Nintendo 64. <laughs> what? What'd you say? A Nintendo 64. Oh, you got a Nintendo 64. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, it's really cool. You know, I have, uh, you can play four players. <laughs> you can have four players. On this uh, Nintendo 64, you know, I'm like trying to talk this thing up, right? Because it's not really what I wanted, and it was it, it was just like annoying that me and him had the conversation. I tell this story because it reminds me of competitiveness. It reminds me of what competitiveness does. Competitiveness it it actually makes us uh, appreciate the gifts that we have less. Like the reality is, is that. The Nintendo 64 was awesome. Like, I ended up, like, loving my Nintendo 64. I wish I still had it. I, it's somewhere at my mom's crib. I don't know where it is. But, you know, I love my Nintendo 64. It was, it was one of the best things that happened to me. But in the moment, I couldn't appreciate my Nintendo 64 because I was focused on what the person next to me had. Like, I allowed what my friend had and what my friend put value on to actually determine how I felt about a gift that my parents gave me. And we do the same thing. When we compete with the person next to us, I'm not talking about sports competition. I'm not talking about sports competition. That's, that's healthy competition, you know, competing in, in sports and, like, maybe you have a favorite football team, basketball team. That's fine. I'm talking about competition that actually gets in between the relationships that we have. When we compete with the person next to us, we're saying that, God, the gifts that you've given me, the talent that you've given me, the identity that you've given me is not good enough. I, I, I actually, God, I want theirs. You're, you're actually saying that, God, you, you made a mistake. I, I should have theirs. That is a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to live. And competitiveness is always a liar. See, if we go back to our passage, before we go back to the passage, I want, I want you to write this question down. Are you rooted in competitiveness or Christ? Are you rooted in competitiveness or Christ? The reality is, is that you will never be rooted in both. Jesus or competitiveness, that's it. One or the other. 
if you're rooted in Christ, your identity is never in question. If you're rooted in competitiveness, it's always like, it's always on this teeter-totter. It's all, you always feel like you're inferior or you feel like you're superior at times, but it's never consistent. The consistency can only come from our identity in Christ as sons and daughters. You know, like, sometimes we're like, you know, oh, look how many Instagram followers she has. I need more. I don't have enough. Man, I'm such a lame. I only have, I only have like 120 likes on my picture. She had 320. The reality is, it's like, dude, 120 people liked your, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is what competitiveness does. It's never enough. Oh, man, he just got those shoes. I need those shoes. I want those shoes. What? He has a car already? Mom, I need a car. I need a car right now. Competitiveness, this is what it does to us. This is what it says to us. Listen, the reality is this, is that the problem with competitiveness is that if I am trying to outdo you, I am not trying to get to know you. If I'm trying to outdo you, I'm not trying to get to know you. You can't have deep relations. What is a relationship founded on? It's, It's founded on getting to know a person intimately, deeply. But if I'm focused on trying to, like, outdo you, outshine you, I'm not trying to know you. I'm just trying to be better than you. I want to be around you so that I can feel better about myself knowing that, oh, well, I'm better at this person than this, in this area. I'm better at this than they are. That's why we're friends. That's a shallow, dysfunctional relationship. We're not going anywhere with that. If we go back to our passage, I want to read verse 33 to 34 again. It says this, they came to Capernaum when, when he was safe at home, he asked them, what were you discussing on the road? The silence was deafening. They were silent because they knew, like, Jesus was about to, like, drop the hand. I, I just, like, imagine their faces. Like, they were probably like, <laughs> like, huh? What'd you say? Huh? Anyway, the silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over who among them was the greatest. See, Rooted relationships, when we have rooted relationships, relationships where we are founded on our identity in Christ, rooted relationships are focused on complementing and not competing. We're focused not on competing with the person next to us, but celebrating them. We are focused on celebrating what God has placed on their life. Celebration casts out competition. Like, it just does. You, you cannot, like, ever celebrate a friend, but at the same time have this deep-seated competition. It's just the two are polar opposites. See, the disciples, they were totally missing it. They're, they're like, talking to each other. Because remember, Jesus, he sent them out two by two earlier in, in, in the book of Mark, right? He sent them out two by two they were doing all this awesome stuff. They're casting out demons. They're, like, healing the sick. They're doing all this crazy stuff. And I just imagine them talking to each other. They're like, dude, the other guys definitely aren't doing what we're doing. Like, this is about to be crazy. I can't wait to go tell this story. Like, they couldn't wait to go brag, right? So they go back to the other group, and they're just like, hey, so what you do? 
yeah, you know, a lady was dead. I raised her. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a lady, uh, it's a guy who didn't have a leg. Yep, no leg. Nothing was there. I grew it out. Yep. Yep, popped out from nowhere. Just did. Huh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, um, there, was a, there, there was a crumb, a crumb, and yeah, I turned it into a loaf of bread. Yep, yep, I did, I did that. They're sitting here, they're, they're, they're like competing, comparing who could outshine the other person. They were totally missing it. And Jesus, he had to address this. He had to nip this in the bud because Jesus knew that if I send these guys out, like once I'm gone and, and the, the state of Christianity rests in their hands, the entire like faith rests in their hands, if I don't nip this competition thing in the butt, they will miss it. We have a mission. We have something to do. They can't sit around and compare story, who, who has the better story. They totally missed it. When you are rooted in competitiveness, you see people as problems and not partners. You see people as problems and not partners. If the disciples understood that, no, actually, we are, we're brothers. Like, Jesus chose us, God himself chose us to actually change the world. We're doing this thing together. It's not about who has the higher record, who has the greatest miracle, who has the, the, the biggest, like, I don't know, like, multiplication story. It's about us partnering together to change the world with Jesus. If they had understood that, they would have probably done more in that first crusade that Jesus sent them out on, right? See, when we are rooted in competitiveness, we are me-focused instead of we-focused. Me-focused instead of we-focused. They said, who's, you know, they're arguing about who's the greatest. Who's the greatest? And if we're being honest, we have relationships in our life right now where we are actually me-focused instead of we-focused. Where our, our, like, relationships are focused on what they actually bring to us. Like, how do you actually make me feel better about myself? Maybe I feel better about myself because I, you have one parent, I got two. Let's be real. Maybe I feel better about myself because I, don't, I, I have nicer clothes or something. I'm smarter. I'm prettier. Me focus instead of we focus. See, when we're we focus, we're actually looking at the people around us and we're asking the question, how can I actually add value to them? How, how, how can I serve them? How can I actually, like, help to push and propel them into where God is calling them to go? We focus. We're called to be a we focused people. Let's read on. Verse 35, it says, he sat down and summoned the twelve. So you want to be, so, so you want first place. Then take the last place. Jesus, he, he's dropping a nugget on them right here. They don't even, they don't even understand this. Like, their minds are being blown right now. Be the servant of all. This, this right here probably really messed them up. That, that line right there, be the servant of all. Because in their minds, a servant, what is a servant? Like, 
a servant is a, right, is a, is, is a slave. They don't, nobody cares about servants. Servants don't have any power. Servants don't have any influence. Servants don't do anything. Jesus is teaching a principle, though, that, that the kingdom is actually flipped. It's, it's, it's flip-flopped, right? I was a servant for four years, four years at Red Lobster. And, yeah, making that money, Cheddar Bay Biscuits. I mean, it was, I, was, I was rolling in the dough. Y'all saw what I did. You saw what I did there. This is what serving taught me, though. The Lord taught me this in serving. Guess what? If I am your server, I am not less valuable than you are. I am actually your leader. You know why? Because you don't get your food until I bring it. You don't get your drinks until I bring it. You don't get your, 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 your main entree until I bring it. You don't get your dessert until I bring it. You don't get your check until, so that means you don't leave this place until I, until I say so. <laughs> See, in the kingdom, leaders are servants. We lead by serving. When I was working in Red Lobster, I was leading by offering food. Hey, can I get you anything else? I'm adding value to them by giving them food, right? This is how we are to approach our relationships. How are you adding value to your friend group? How are you actually making the people around you a better version of themselves? How are you supporting them in who Jesus has called them to be? Jesus had to drop this nugget on them. He had to. I want to I read Philippians 2, verse 2 to 8. It says this. It says, they make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. What does competition say? Impress others. Do it, do it for the claps. Do it for the likes. Do it for the applause. Like Paul is telling us here, actually, that's a waste of time. Don't do it for that. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. He doesn't mean that you just look at yourself like you're the scum of the earth. But what he's saying is, is that you should, instead of spending time like, man, I look so fine today. Holy cow. Like, look at me. Dang. Holy. You know, instead of spending time actually thinking about how awesome you are, why don't you spend time thinking about how, how, how amazing the people around you are? Lord, I thank you that my friend so-and-so is fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you that you have called them to great and mighty things. Spending time thinking of them as being valued. Verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think uh, think of equality with God as something to be cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. This is crazy. God actually came and became a slave. You understand? Like God himself became a servant of other people. If God became a servant of other people, if God said, I'm going to come and add value to people, I'm going to give what people actually don't have. I'm, I'm going to do what they cannot do on their own. Who are we to think that 
we can't and we shouldn't do the same thing in our relationships. This is how we have rooted relationships, shifting our perspective from competing to actually giving value, giving value, adding value. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. How could Jesus do such a thing? How could he give up his status as God? How, how could he actually step down and, and, and become a man, a human, and, and, and serve other people, die a sinner's death? He, he died like a, a, a criminal's death. How could he do that? You know how? Because he trusted in the plan that his father had for him. He, he was secured in his identity as a son. He was anchored in the truth that God is with me. Because of that, Jesus never had to compete. You don't have to compete when you're anchored in who you are. Jesus, he proves that to us. I got two action steps for you. I want you to think about two things, and they're very simple. Look at other people as partners instead of problems. Look at the people in your life as people to be partnered with instead of people to compete with. The people around you, they actually need what you have. But if we're focused on outdoing them, then we will never add the value to them that we can add. Second action step is this. Pray and ask Jesus to switch your focus from a me focus to a we focus. I, I promise you that this focus will change your friendships. It will change your dynamic with your siblings. It'll change your dynamic with, with the people around you. If you, instead of, of looking at how can this person benefit me, how can they actually add value to me, if you shift that and you, and you actually think, how can we partner together, your friendships will begin to blossom. Your, your, your life will begin to change. Things will begin to shift in your life because you are attacking the root or the weed of competitiveness at the root. This is what Jesus wants for us. This is very important because we compete with people around us because we don't understand the love that God has for us. I'm going to say that again. We compete with the people around us because we don't understand the love that God has for us. If we're rooted in who he says we are, competition has no place in us. So, Jesus, I pray that as we worship you, as we sing and receive just your presence, I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that you would release your love in this room. I pray that you would affirm identity in this room. I pray that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. We are the ones who change the world. We are revolution.